Ever wondered what motivates people to get plastic surgery? Did they regret it? What can we learn from the stories of plastic surgery patients? We're here to explore those questions and get some answers today with my guest, Sarah Ashbaugh on the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome back and thanks to our listeners for the amazing feedback. We have had so much fun so far and look forward to more of your insights and suggestions. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us get you more great content. On the Plastic Surgeon Podcast, we listen to real plastic surgery stories of triumph and pain from real patients and providers to further understand their motivations or why they would risk their life under the knife. I'm Dr. Javad Sajjan, and today my guest is the amazing, wonderful, fabulous Sarah. Sarah, we're here to talk to you about your journey, how we came to know each other, the procedure you underwent, and how it affected you. Yeah. So Sarah, you came to me with the history of having had breast implants, and you felt the implants were making you not feel well, and you feel you had breast implant illness. Is that correct? Yeah, I definitely felt that my breast implants were negatively affecting my health. How long ago did you have your breast implants placed? I got my breast implants in 2012. It was probably about 2013 that the symptoms started at least being noticeable. Sure. What led you to get breast augmentation? I was always insecure as a really young I guess going through puberty, um, girls around me were getting breasts Mm -hmm. and I just never did and always wanted them. And in my early 20s, I just decided that I was going to. I was getting married and I didn't want to be super flat chested on my wedding day. So I got a breast augmentation. Sure. How long did you think about it before getting it? Oh, years. I knew I wanted it. Really? Mm-hmm. In the wedding, it sounds like it was the trigger that made, it was the final thing that made you pull the trigger on the implants, right? Definitely. And did you get saline or silicone? Silicone. What part of the country were you in when you had the surgery done? I was living in Colorado. Okay. And I want to mm-hmm. ask you the name of the doctor. It doesn't really, really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you do a lot of research in finding your provider? So... I wish I had done more research. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted a very natural look. I was terrified of having a very fake aesthetic. And with that being said, I chose a doctor whose portfolio had very natural looking breast augmentations. Mm-hmm. And I went solely based off that. I wish I had done a lot more research. Why do you say that? The time that she spent with me in our consultation was extremely brief. I kind of envisioned the consultation. I put a lot of trust in seeing her portfolio and her before and her afters. Mm -hmm. And I kind of envisioned there being more time spent with the doctor and maybe like trying on or seeing the implants or um, her talking to me about the procedure more, but there really wasn't. Um, but I 
put a lot of trust in her. How did the consult go? It was so quick. Do you remember, I know it was a few years ago, what what, what happened, what questions were asked, ballpark, or what you asked about? Yeah, I came in with a long list of questions. Um, she answered everything really professionally. Um, she had come recommended by several people. Um, so I kind of had had my mind up before I went in that she is who I wanted to use. Mm -hmm. You know, if I could do it over again, I would have chose differently. Um, During your consultation, did you get, it sounds like you didn't get to see the implants or try them on? I didn't. How was your size determined what kind you went with? She just said she was going to choose something natural and I would be a fuller chested, um, you know, like a full C. And at that point, I was a very flat A and that she would make sure I was proportional. And at that point, my breasts were um, two very different sizes. And she said that she couldn't promise my breasts would be identical. Um, she could promise they wouldn't be identical, mm -hmm. um, that she couldn't guarantee me that, but but that she would do her best and she would make sure that I looked proportional. Um, and I appreciated the transparency and the honesty in that. Um, yeah, there wasn't any try-on. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't know if that was to be expected. I wish I had done more um, homework to be totally honest about it. Sure. Mm -hmm. How? What um, else do you wish you would have known going into the consult? And I'm asking this because a lot of women sometimes feel that. So I guess what would you share with someone in hindsight about that kind of consultation? To definitely go to you know, three different consults and just because you have a good feeling about one or two, um, to still do your due diligence and go regardless of what your initial feeling is about somebody, um, or regardless of what recommendations you've gotten or how great their portfolio looks. Um, I don't know if you want to jump ahead this fast, but, um, she also told me during my consult, you know, do not have children, three to five years um, post-surgery, you really want to make sure your implants, your your capsule settles um, mm -hmm. and, your, and your implants are set. Um, and of course, at that point, you know, I wasn't even married yet. Kids weren't even on the agenda. Mm -hmm. um, this was in 2012. Uh, and And she said, definitely don't gain any weight. And of course, like that wasn't on my agenda either. She she was very very straightforward and and, mm -hmm. I, and I had read that her bedside manner wasn't particularly warm, mm -hmm. um, but that she was spot on and knew her knew her stuff and and that is sure. what people had told me about her and you know I wasn't looking for bedside manner I was looking for somebody to do a stellar breast augmentation. Exactly. Did so, you, mm -hmm. did you do online research or was it anybody that you knew? I did online research and I had knew two people that had had breast augmentations by her, mm. um, which were the type of breast augmentations I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did your, but the, they were older women. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really quite young, mm -hmm. which I think made a big difference in how I was really comparing things. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing. Sure. You know, in some patients, if they're a woman, they prefer a woman doctor or some opposite. Did that play a factor at all? Um, 
You know, it really didn't. It didn't play a factor. Um, but location played a big factor. And I was in north, I was in northern Colorado and I was worried about so I did feel like my surgeons were limited um as far as location wise. So I I also felt I, I also chose her for those reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have like a ton of options. Now it would have been no big deal to do it in Denver and then um, be in Fort Collins. It, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But at that time, it seemed like recovering and going back and forth to appointments. Um, yeah, I there were several factors as to why I ended up choosing her um, that just were a little more narrow sure how minded, did that, uh-huh, I, which play into my age <laughs> and how did that surgery go the surgery was fine you know the surgery really was it was fine it was a quick recovery i um i recovered well um my scars were significant um i didn't my my recovery overall as far as like me being able to get up move around um exercise soon after and all of that was fine. Um, my skin stretched, you know, this is just the way it goes. It's not the surgeon's Mm -hmm. issue. It's just the way, um, I responded to the, to the implants, but, um, my, my skin stretched pretty intensely. So I had just huge stretch marks across. Uh After surgery, were you at your goal size that you were planning on being? I had actually wished that she had gone larger and I wished that funny enough that they were, this is kind of ironic since the whole reason I chose her was for a more natural aesthetic, but I had wished that they were more, um, I guess more pronounced, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. because they just weren't, they almost looked saggy if i could Mm. if i could yeah they they really did when did you notice the sagginess it was about six months after so of course at first they were really really you know Mm -hmm. swollen it takes quite a while for it for them to come down um and and even then i had wished i was like oh i hope they just stayed just like this but I knew that they were going to come down. Mm. So I was nervous because I knew that the, that, that, that they were going to drop. Um, and I was already not super pleased with them when they were supposed to be up in my face, you know? So, um, the profile you had was moderate plus, which is a flatter implant. I'm just curious, did the doctor talk to you about going higher profile so you had more upper pole or that wasn't a point of discussion? No, not a not a point of discussion. How soon after was your wedding after your surgery? So I got my implants in April. My wedding was in August. Did you have the look you wanted for the wedding? Yeah, you know, I did. And when you felt they were a little bit saggy, did you go back to your doctor and mention, hey, you know, I'm not in love with this. What can we do? Yeah. Um, I called, um, and I went in, uh, for, um, kind of like we did the post mm-hmm. when, when they continue to check on things. Um, and at that point I had the really dark purple, um, lines across me and she was really dismissive, hmm. um, didn't have 
time to talk to me at all. It was a very quick appointment. She just said that. Do you remember how long it was? I don't think I spent more than, you know, five or 10 minutes with her. How, it was very quick. How long did you wait to get that appointment? I really don't remember. I, I didn't have much FaceTime with her at all. Mm. And then, so what did she tell you? Oh, it's fine. You, everything yeah. It, you know, yeah, it looks great. They look great. I mean, she kept reassuring me that everything looked great. You know, everything was. She kept saying that multiple times, right? Yeah. Like everything <laughs> was par for the course, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I mean, I had friends with breast implants and mine did not look the same. Um, but what, what however, the, mm-hmm. I kept reminding myself I went for a really natural look. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is why, but I mean, mine just weren't placed the same. Exactly. And your friends who had it, was it that you liked? Was it by her or someone else? Somebody else. Mm, I see. Um, so when I, you know, when we looked at your implants, I know you had moderate plus, which gives a lot more bottom fullness than top. So that can give a saggy look. And one of the things that determines, and someone who's an A-club who doesn't have much tissue, one of the things that determines how prominent their um, upper pole is, is where you put the implant. So if you put the implant too low, they get a lot of bottom fullness and no top fullness and they look empty. If you put the implant, typically where I do it, where I center the implant behind the nipple, placing it in that plane typically gives the best results because what happens is you balance 50% upper pole, 50% lower pole. But what some people do, and I don't like this look as far as for my patients, they'll they'll do a two-third, one-third where only one-third is above the nipple and two-thirds is below the nipple. And I think that gives a very saggy look long-term. But it Mm -hmm. gets the patient happy in the interim. But with my patients, I tell them, look, it's going to look good. Usually, you know, I'll pick the profile you want. We talk about all of it. We usually go high profile for rounds. And we're going to wait six to nine months for them to settle. Because if they look perfect at three months, what that tells me is in a year, two years, you're going to be way too saggy. And I'll be cutting the bottoming out. So that's, you know, I think it's doctor preference, but the, I think you have to think for your patients long term, not in the exactly. intermediate term. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I knew that when she kept saying that the swelling, you know, everything will, you know, settle down. It will. You know, the swelling will die down. I'm like, oh no, I mm-hmm. want them to stay just like they are right now. So did you ask her if she could do a touch, a change, or revision, or anything like that, or you didn't get there during your five minute appointment? Um, I asked what could be done, mm-hmm. um, and she said there was nothing that could be done. Like, it is what it is. Not even changing the implants? Did you ask about that? Or you, um, she, didn't, she just didn't give you that option? I don't, I wanted to know, like, what my options were, mm-hmm. um, and she didn't, I didn't know what my options were, like, mm-hmm. what what even could be done with my situation, and she didn't give me any options. So I didn't even know if that was on the table. I didn't know what was on the table. I just knew that I wanted them a lot more perky than they were. And for the stretch marks, did she recommend anything? Nothing. And I was incredibly insecure about the stretch marks. Those were really intense. Um, And I knew that that wasn't her fault or... It wasn't like I was blaming anybody. I was just simply really insecure about it. So I was using a lot of like scar stuff and anything I could. Um, So stretch marks can happen after breast augmentation. It's not common, but it does happen in women who have 
less skin or going bigger. So when I look at all the data, the one thing that can help is using usually it's a generic medication called tretinoin. So if you start using tretinoin early when you're getting stretch marks, what I've seen in my patients is you can usually reverse the course on the stretch marks. So typically what we'll do is if someone's getting stretch marks with implants, which is very rare, but it does happen, absolutely happens, um, especially in the A cup going bigger, is we'll use a special cream called tretinoin, which is prescription, and then we'll laser it every three to four weeks. And by doing that, typically you can pause and reverse the course, but it's, it's a tough one to treat. So how was life then after implants? You got married? That I got married. I was considerably larger. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I mean, I didn't actually tell my, tell anybody about my, my fiance at the time about my implants. He, he um, didn't know? or he didn't? No, of course he knew. Yeah. And like my girlfriend knew. Um, but I hadn't actually told my, um, like my father, um, and I went to visit him. And the second I walked in the door, my stepmom opened the door and she's like, come into the bathroom. And she goes, you got your boobs done. I mean, I was considerably larger and it changed my whole frame. Hmm. I mean, I was big in the fact that I, I, I wasn't big in like perkiness. I was big in like my whole, how do I describe it? It was just saggy. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a, uh, you weren't proud of it. No. Okay. Yeah. It okay. wasn't a, it wasn't a like perky, just my boobs were bigger. It was kind of like my whole trunk seemed to just kind of be bigger. So it wasn't really the, the aesthetic, but anyway, so got the, got my boobs. Um, in 2014, I found out that I was unexpectedly pregnant mm-hmm. in the middle of grad school. And what were you in grad school for? I was in grad school for education. Mm-hmm. I got my master's in education. Mm-hmm. So I got pregnant and, um, we had our son in mm-hmm. 2014. Mm-hmm. So, then um that was a pregnancy and my boobs got ginormous Mm -hmm. so then i breastfed um and then right after and then in 2016 i had my daughter breastfed her too so um at the end of that my breasts were just worn out. <laughs> you felt them were deflated? Yeah. I mean, they were totally deflated, but they were they 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 were worn out, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Mama was tired. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Pregnancies take such a toll and such a journey. They do. When did you notice your implants were making you feel sick? I believe I got my surgery in two thousand and 19 with me yes Mm -hmm. with you Mm -hmm. so it was 2018 i think that i started to make the correlation what symptoms were you having in the interim so it took me a while before i really x'd out i kind of went down the list and took out 
everything that I could before. Uh, uh, when I say took out everything I could, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really tried to eliminate all possible things before I thought it could be my implants. Mm-hmm. So the symptoms I had, I had chronic sinusitis. I mean, I had one sinus infection after another sinus infection, which uh, seems crazy. For- when did that start after the implant? Quite a few years later. Okay. So my inflammation in my body, I think, was a very gradual thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was a very slow thing that builded that that built over time. Excuse me. Um, I don't think it happened right away. It started really slowly, like early on um, with my implants. I, I started getting a lot of headaches. Migraines started for me, and I had never had migraines previously. Mm-hmm. Um. But I didn't attribute those to my breast implants. I never in my wildest dreams thought my implants could have anything to do with any symptoms that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I was extremely fatigued all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of brain fog. I put on about 20 pounds Mm -hmm. um, that I really could not get off. We'll leave that there. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess uh, the inflammation overall was just compounding. And towards the end, I started to develop a lot of really interesting food intolerances, which I have never been sensitive mm. or had any um, problems with foods before. Like, like what? Um, nightshades, almonds, <laughs> um, uh beef beef and what would happen when you ate these foods my asthma would act up Hmm. um hives um i was starting to get a skin rash my i developed psoriasis uh or, or eczema rather eczema i was having a bunch of random ailments and the sinus stuff what about tell us about that again so the sinuses were really starting to interfere in my life hmm. um, really severely to the point where I was sick constantly. I couldn't take care of my children. Nothing I was doing was helping. I had removed all sorts of foods out of my diet. Dairy was a massive trigger for me. Um, and I went and saw a doctor and they told me that I had a um, systemic yeast infection in my body, which Hmm. was, I found to be like rather a little bit cuckoo. Mm, Was this an MD (laughs) or DO or naturopath? Yeah, it's an ND. So how how did they determine that? Just clinical? Did they do a test or anything? Yeah, they, you know, run some tests on you Uh, and, you know, you walk out with like a, huge whopping bill and you know thousand dollar in supplements later and you're like hmm i don't know if this is true or you know what kind of data yeah (laughs) you're kind of wondering right kind of shaking your head so they tell me that i have this yeast thing so i'm like okay hmm, i'm gonna think about this so um anyways i was really grabbing for straws trying to figure out what was going on with me but I had so I I, I took um, some c- crazy antibiotics like z- z- 
Zyfaxin or something, um, which is supposed to supposedly get rid of this um, systemic yeast thing I had going on. And that didn't get rid of any of my symptoms. So you were going to all these doctors, getting all these tests, spending all, all this, this money. And yes. no, nobody has an answer. <laughs> nobody has an answer. I even went to this like crazy other like doctor, right? She didn't, of course, she couldn't fix me. So um, then I was seeing my um, ear, nose, and throat doctor. Um, and she's the one who I had had two sinus surgeries with her. And um, she's the one who brought up my breast implants. Really? And um, she is the one who talked to me about the overall inflammation in my body and said that I should really consider having them out within the next 12 months. Hmm. And this is the first that I had heard about my breast implants being of concern as far as being related to everything that's going on. Did Mind you-, you, I've already been down a whole rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> with this crazy cuckoo stuff. It's not crazy. They're real symptoms. Well, no, my symptoms are totally real. But I had yeah. done all, you know, trying to figure out with this yeast thing or whatever. So, so, so did this, uh, your ENT doctor, did mm-hmm. she have other patients who had these symptoms? Or how did she arrive at this? So she's very up on research. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been studying um, breast implants and links with overall inflammation. Mm-hmm. And um, I had given her like all of my history. I've told her everything I was doing. Um, and she's the one who ultimately recommended that I consider within the next 12 months getting them out. I really trusted her because um, she she had been through um, a lot of my sinus stuff with me, but it was the first I had heard of it. And it was the first I had even, yeah, it was just the first I had considered my implants being of any issue with me personally. And she explained that it's just my body overall is clearly in a sense of, or in a state of um, inflammation, uh, uh, in a inflamed state and uh, I need to just dial down the overall inflammation. Mm. Um, and implants are a foreign body and um, it's worth taking them out and seeing what will help. Cause at this point I've tried lots of different avenues. I'm on a very um, restrictive diet. I had taken all sorts of things um uh, out of my routine and I was on all sorts of medications. I had been on strenuous antibiotics. Uh, nothing was getting me better. Uh, and I, it was really affecting my quality of life. So that's when I started researching surgeons and okay. that's when I got to you. And what uh, information did you find about breast implant illness after your talk with her? That was a whole new world. Mm-hmm. I think it's become a lot bigger now. And unfortunately, you know, you can kind of attribute all sorts of things to Mm -hmm. breast implant illness. You know, they're like, oh, you have hair loss. Like you could have breast implant illness or, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, you've got headaches or you have GI issues. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think really what it boils down to is I think a small percentage of 
women um, can, or, or people in general can have, you know, sensitive sensitivities to, to foreign things in their bodies. And sometimes you, your body will remain in an inflamed state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it happens very often. Um, but I do think for me, it helped dial down the overall inflammation considerably. Uh, I think it's been a really life-changing thing for me to get them out. Um, and I didn't take the decision lightly. Of course. So uh, going back to your journey, you hear about this, you do some research, you see these non-specific symptoms. And my personal you know, opinion is I think breast implant illness uh, is real. I think it's very rare. Now, in this part of the country, I probably, in my state, I probably put in more implants than probably anybody else. Sure. And But I also believe that there's a very small percentage of women that don't respond well. And you have to treat them, right? So and I think you fell into this category. And you started doing research. And did you meet with doctors? Or what, what was your first step? So I did an online consultation with someone north who she used to do breast implants and then she only did she moved to only doing um explants but she's in washington state or somewhere else she's in washington state okay yeah um so i had a consultation with her but initially i started looking into it and there's like you know a handful of um, originally when I first started looking into it, there's a handful of doctors that will do this like very specific mm-hmm. type of procedure and th- the way I wanted them removed. Mm-hmm. And so, so then I found this other lady who was up North and I did an online, uh, like a virtual consultation with her and, um, she's really difficult to get to. Uh, location wise again mm. as we we're talking about um earlier and um i wasn't sure at that point i forget exactly but i i knew at that point that i was not just going to have one consultation yes i learned that the first time um that i wasn't just going to go with one person um how was that consult it was good she was very straightforward, didn't have a ton of time. Um, I'm seeing some parallels. Um, she's done a she had done a lot of explants, mm-hmm. and she was really much more interested in doing work um, on patients who had had a verified you know, who had had an MRI and had shown leak uh, a leaked implant. Hmm. Um, rather than somebody who just preferred to have them out. I mean, she would she would have she would have done it, but I I think she was she's more interested in um also like the reconstructive side of it as well. And I sure. was really not sure at that point what my future was gonna look like on that road. I wasn't ready to make any decisions about that. I just wanted to get them removed mm-hmm. and then did you have was mine the next consult or did you have others yours was the next um i was so excited about yours why is that my sister-in-law gave me a list of names of surgeons who would likely be able to perform my procedure and 
she actually recommended you for the work that you've done in the Seattle community, specifically with transgender people. And she just said that you were an incredible surgeon and that I would probably really, really jive with you. And I hadn't considered bedside manner up until now, hmm. but um, I actually got on your webpage and started checking it out. And you had talked in depth about the in-block removal, which was what I was looking for. So I thought, hey, I'll schedule a consult. Mm -hmm. So then I did. And when we met, you answered all of my questions extremely thoroughly. You heard all of my concerns. You did not think I was crazy, mm -hmm. which I really valued. Um, because up until this point, that hadn't been my experience. I had even, um, my my father has a good friend who's a plastic surgeon and put in an awful lot of breast implants. And I had talked to him when I was considering getting my breast implants out. And he was like, your breast implants are not the problem. Do not get your breast implants out. Blah, 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 blah. So um, just for you to be open to it mm -hmm. was um really incredible so we had a great consult and um you were really thorough with how you would remove them uh, which was really important to me it, and then you, the consult went well and then we during the consult we we talked about removing the implant with the entire shell and the and I shared with you that some women can feel it's um not very nice looking after surgery, how did that feel when I told that to you? I said, you could feel disfigured. Yeah, um, maybe disfigured isn't the right word, but I felt like they, my breasts already didn't look good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe not just didn't look good, like they didn't look right. Mm -hmm. They were bottomed out and um, they had looked that way before kids. Mm -hmm. They never looked right to begin with. So I regretted ever having my initial breast implants. So to me, I didn't have much to lose with my health because I was really miserable. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anything to lose with the implants because they needed to come out anyways. I agree. And there's options some women do when they do their end block. Some women will say, let's do a lift at the same time. Some people say, let's do fat transfer at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when we chatted about this, my recommendation was, Let's get you. Let's get the implants out with the shell. See how you do. If you feel better and you're healed, then we might be done. And you might not want more because your skin will have some contraction. Now, one of the things that I do when I remove the implants is I do something called internal cauterization. So that's a procedure that I've come up with that I've developed where we, after the implants removed, we heat up and cauterize the entire inside shell, whatever's left of the tissue of the muscle and all that, and that gives skin contraction and shrinking. So that sometimes can help avoid doing a lift, which would have put an anchor incision on your chest or around the areola down on the side. So we talked about all these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I do this consult, Sarah, I use a few strong words because the last thing I want is for somebody to have this surgery and feel very dis, uh, feel a lot of dysphoria with their chest. So I, Although I know it's usually not the case, I'll use strong words to say how it's going to turn out to make sure people are really committed to 
to this operation and understanding where it goes. Sure. My reason for oftentimes, although I will do it sometimes, not doing a lift or fat transfer, which I will do sometimes at the same time as this surgery, is because when you do it together, there's a higher risk of complications. If you do a thorough end block, an end block means take out the implant with the entire capsule, that can take two to four hours. And then when you add full body lipo and fat transfer or a lift, it becomes a very long operation for an outpatient setting. And it's hard to predict where things are going to move after you take out the implant with the shell. Mm -hmm. So usually I'll do the end block with internal cauterization, let you heal, and then we decide if more is needed. Um, so the surgery day came. How were you feeling up to that day? So I felt great about everything. I was really nervous. I didn't, I felt like I was almost like I could just leave my implants in. I had only had them in for seven years. Like this is kind of another elective thing. I already feel like crap. I'm rocking the boat again. You know, part of me was thinking that. And the other part of me was like, I have nothing to lose. This couldn't change my life. What happens if I feel miraculously better? Just go for it, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And then I got really worried right before my surgery that what happens if I do come out just looking even more botched than before? And so I called your office. Mm -hmm pretty much in a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think I need to get a lift like during this. Like I can't just like come out mm -hmm. looking like this. What happens if I just look ridiculous? Mm -hmm. And you actually talked to me. I didn't have to talk to anybody. You called me and you said, you explained it all over to me. Like we need to see how your breasts heal, how the skin retracts. And then we can make a better you know, I need to see how your health is. And you were so good with me. And I felt reassured. We went into surgery. And I, I, I knew I was in good hands. Mm -hmm. I knew I was. Yeah, one of my rules is whenever that happens, you know, the, obviously the front people answer the call. And then we always schedule a call at the end of the day, and at the end of usually that day to go over it. Because surgery is a big deal. Mm -hmm. When you do what I do, and like, you know, I do 10 to 15 operations a week, it can become very routine for the provider like me. But for me, I always remind myself that everybody who I have the privilege of operating on, it's the first time usually in their life they're going through this mm -hmm. because my family's had surgery, so I feel it, you know. And um, I try to I tell myself every, every conversation, every interaction, this is a huge deal for somebody. They waited months, if not years for this. And I have to make sure I treat them that way and give them that experience. And I think it's when you lose track of that is sometimes when the bedside manner goes down. Yes. And, and for me, the bedside manner is not just indicative, in my opinion, of how nice the person is, but how well they'll do the operation. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has crappy bedside manner, in my opinion, they're not the person who's going to pay attention to every detail in the surgery. They'll be like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I hate when people say that, providers say that. It's, it's only going to be fine because I'm going to make it fine, right? There's not going to be some mysterious magic that's going to happen that's going to make anything fine. Right. So we had the surgery done. How Was it painful compared to the actual implants? You know, to be really honest, I didn't remember the exact pain. I remember it being a little more painful in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I've heard that the end block is, can be yeah. more. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was more painful, but I didn't, I couldn't 
compare them side by side, right? It was seven years difference. So in my opinion, I felt it was more painful than my breast implants. Would you say it's more painful than labor? Um, you know? The first time, not the second time. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Getting my poor hot pocket <laughs> stretched like that is <laughs> definitely the worst. <laughs> How are you... Um. How were you feeling the night of surgery, if you remember? Um, after the surgery, mm -hmm. I was in a special kind of triangle pillow. Uh, so I was propped up. And I remember feeling really like the ultimate um, detox for me. Hmm. Because once I had decided that I wanted them out, I really wanted them out. Mm -hmm. I, I, they had to go. Mm -hmm. So getting them out was just a really cleansing thing. I just needed them out. I didn't, it didn't matter anymore. I just wanted them out. So even though I felt like I was on painkillers, so it was fine, mm -hmm. but I was mm -hmm. propped up. Um, and uh, I remember I was kept really comfortable. So and I was bandaged, I didn't have drains. Mm -hmm. No drains. Yeah, I'm one of the, I think I'm the only person who does it without drains. Mm -hmm. you know, that I know of in the country. Yeah. And then you started, um, you had your post-op. We, when we took off the binder and you saw your breasts in the mirror, how was that first time? I think it was emotional for me. Uh, it was emotional for me for sure. I had a big sense of regret just ever messing with my breasts to begin with in mm -hmm. my early earlier 20s. I was happy. I, I was. I was very happy that that they were out and I had at least begun the process of, you know, the worst was over. The symptoms that you were having with the GI, the sinus, the migraines, the fatigue, did you notice a change in that? So craziest thing ever. I thought worst case, you know, say nothing gets better. Fine. Like I have this crazy, you know, my doctor told me to get them out. I have had one sinus infection since I got my breast implants removed, and that was during a cold. And I had sinus infections back to back to back to back to back when they were in. Mm -hmm. And I have had just one. In about almost a year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has been night and day for me. My energy level is... Up, I've lost all my weight. I'm down to my wedding weight. Were you trying to lose weight or did it happen by itself? It's come off. Mm -hmm. It's come off. I'm not doing anything. Hmm. I wouldn't say like drastically differently. I have more energy, so I'm able to exercise more regularly. But I'm still not. I mean, I only worked out once this week, so I wouldn't mm -hmm. say I'm breaking any records. Uh, what about the migraines? Um. Yeah, my migraines are considerably better. Um, the fatigue is better. The um, I think what it boils down to is the inflammation overall has dialed down. Mm -hmm. uh, my food intolerances are gone. Completely. Completely. I don't get hives. I can consume all the foods that I wasn't able to consume. Towards the end, when I had made the decision to get my breast implants out, 
for me, it's made a night and day difference, mm-hmm. an incredible difference for me. Sounds like you're happy you went through the decision. A hundred percent. Would you do it again? Yes. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Your, your journey has been amazing. The insight that you have is going to help so many other women learn more about themselves. I have learned a lot from you, and I know your ordeal will help many of our listeners as they go through their own journeys. I appreciate your time, Sarah, and I'm happy to have you as my patient, and I would say also friend. Oh, thank you. When you look back at your journey of all you've been through with the implants and the end block, if there was one thing you could share with other women going through this or thinking they may have breast implant illness, what would you tell them? I would tell them to follow their gut. And if they feel that this could be them, to definitely try to eliminate other th- anything else that it could be before they just jump to surgery, see what else it could possibly be, and, and then look at this as an option because it, it, it is a small percentage of people, but to definitely listen to your body. You're so right. And one thing people will often wonder is, is there a test for this? How do I know if I have it? So as you know, exactly, this is what breast implant illness is something called a diagnosis of exclusion. So what that means is it's a diagnosis you reach to when everything else is negative, when every other test is negative. And it's important to go through the journey of ruling things out. Mm -hmm. Because for example, there's so many other things that could cause something like your symptoms lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or name a few, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease. I can name 100 diseases that have tests that you can diagnose. Mm-hmm. So it's important to make sure there's nothing going on that's readily treatable before you go through a surgery. And it, com- it becomes a diagnosis of exclusion when nothing else is positive and you have the implants and you have the symptoms and then you make a decision. Do I want to try or risk undergoing an elective operation to make this better. Thanks for listening to the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to hear more great content. For my live surgeries on Snapchat and my adventures throughout the week, catch us on all social media at Real Dr. Seattle. See you next time. Bam. <laughs>